very hard on, on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. There's no point in Tom Lane to accept standards of excellence. We will deal with the Tottenham Cup if we're in it and we'll, we'll certainly give it every bit of respect. There's no feeling that beats playing for Ireland. My God, I'm going to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sports Beat Extra. Coming up on today's show, we hear from Mags Darcy, former Wexford Camogie player, as she looks forward to this year's Electric Ireland Ashburn Cup action. We recap on the Kilmacud Croaks and Glen Saga coming to a close with a South East referee and what it's like from the sidelines. And something a little different, a fundraising appeal in Kilkenny to help Uganda GAA build its first full-size GAA pitch on the African continent. Filling in for Beat Sports, Sean Connolly, I'm Jolene Murphy and you're very welcome to this week's Sports Beat Extra. But first, we can't go anywhere without looking back at today's Six Nations showdown between France and Ireland. I'm joined in studio with Waterford-based sports journalist and rugby fanatic and extraordinaire Nigel Kelly. Nigel, <laughs> what a cracking match. It was class. Uh, yeah, Jolene, an absolute belter. I'm kind of drawing my breath still, to be honest, because <laughs> it's uh, not long since the uh, ring of the final whistle. But Ireland have beaten France in the Aviva Stadium. 32 points to 19 is what the scoreboard read at the end of the game. Bonus point score against the number two team in the world. Exceptional match, wasn't really it? Was. It, was, it yeah. was. As soon as it started, you were at the edge of your seat right till the end. The first half was something special altogether. It did take a little bit of a dip mm-hmm. in the second half early on, but that's no great surprise considering how much empty in the tank was going on in the first half. But yeah, that first half of rugby was uh, something special altogether. <laughs> uh, Hugo Keenan getting the opening try for Ireland and um, just a phenomenal player who's definitely undersized for the game but does not leave it affect his play whatsoever. We were always worried would we find a replacement to Rob Kearney? Well, Hugo Keenan mm-hmm. has filled his shoes and some more <laughs> after that. So he was phenomenal today. Got the opening score, as we said. Uh, James Lowe followed up with a real try for the Talk Angels. Talk us through this one. This was a, a replay a couple of times to make sure it got over the line. Tell us what happened. Yeah, I still think he was in touch but I'll take it. Um, <laughs> so he was in for score and then Damien Penneau who had scored Francis Troy in the first half the uh, his opposing winger he got his hands on James Lowe tried to bully him out into touch <laughs> and despite his best efforts James Lowe was kind of hovering in midair you see these on sometimes and the their body has gone horizontal and mm-hmm. their arm, arm's going for the ground somehow to Right in the down. corner. Yeah, and his toe is dragging. And is it touching the outside in touch? Is it not? I think he was. Wayne Barnes didn't think it. The TMO didn't think it. They gave it. Mm-hmm. So it was a real feat of athleticism. It's a very hard thing to pull off. If you were on the France side, would you think it was unfair? What do you think the feeling was on the ground oh, for that I'd one? I'd be trying to take him to court. Mm, afterwards. 100% if I was French, I would. But I, yeah. they still would have been clear to win. Like I said, it was 32-19. So if they didn't get it, they still would have won. Yeah, it's a 13-point victory, which mm-hmm. is... A, a serious achievement against this French side. They are a very, very tough team to beat and rightly so. They are the reigning Grand Slam champions mm-hmm. for the Six Nations. They are the second ranked team of the world behind ourselves. That can be debated as to who actually is but this game may well have decided that at least for the moment. Uh, they didn't make life easier for themselves in some ways. Their uh, prop forward Uni Antonio yellow carded in the second half. Very lucky to have not gotten a red. Very surprising. Really. Tell us about that. Well, he made clear and, and heavy contact with... Um, Rob Herring's head and this is something that World Rugby have nailed in Mm -hmm. the last couple of years and it's getting more severe all the time Mm -hmm. and rightly so it has to be taken out of the game for fear of brain injuries and Uni Antonio a guy who is 6 foot 4 and probably pushing 200 
not 200 kilos, that's insane. Uh, he's probably pushing, you know, 120, 140 kilos. Mm-hmm. And he's six foot four, made no effort to actually bend the knees, reduce his tackle height, went straight in, shoulder to the head of Rob Herring. And, Do you think yeah. it was an opportunity for them to give the red card on such a big platform and stage just to, I suppose, encourage just how serious it is it that should, they're taking it seriously? It should be utterly irrelevant what the game is. Like where where what where you're playing, the significance of it, the tournament, what's at stake, it mm-hmm. should be utterly irrelevant. It's not what the game is, it's what's the incident. And mm-hmm. has an illegal tackle been made? Yeah. Has there been a head contact? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's your rules. Red card, he should be gone. Wayne Barnes trying to maybe keep the game fair. That's not your remit, Wayne. Your remit is to enforce the laws of the game. So really, they're very lucky to not have gotten red carded. Uh, Andrew Porter then today also, he had his uh, third try for Ireland today. He had an attempt in the first half. He was held up, unfortunately, but comes good with his second attempt. Gets it down over the line for what was Ireland's third try of the game. Mm -hmm. They were all in the first half and then coming into the second half, as we said, a little bit of a lull coming in, maybe tired teams trying to get their... They're, uh, they're bearing in it once again. But, uh, it took a while to get on, the accelerator back up and running, certainly. It did. But once they did, like Ireland were immense, both in defence and in attack, kept France on their heels the entire time. And you have to admire as well the fact that they are playing this tournament with a couple of missing starters. So they started today without a couple of guys who would start. The likes of your Tyke Farlongs and Jemson Gibson Parks weren't available. Then look at the team that finished the game, right? And it's worth actually looking at that. Compare your starting team sheet to your finishing team sheet and look at the guys who are finishing that game for you. The likes of Craig Casey, Ian Henderson, Ross Byrne, um, It really Tom was O'Toole. a whole team effort, really, to get it this across the line. It is entirely. Your 23 is utterly, utterly crucial. If the guys were coming in can't do the same job, they probably shouldn't be making 23. Mm-hmm. And to be able to see him come in and finish the game out, Ross Byrne was unbelievably pumped <laughs> up when there was things going their way. And that's exactly what you need to see. And then, of course, one of the generals on pitch, uh, Gary Ringrose, puts down the final try of the game. Securing a bonus point against France is a very, very hard thing to do, especially considering they had a poor performance last week Mm -hmm. and there was a backlash expected to get a bonus point win. There's one more game this evening. Mm -hmm. France, uh, Scotland and Wales. If Scotland, if Wales beat Scotland, we're the only team who can still do the Grand Slam. That's where we're positioned right it's now. It's a very exciting place to be and also not to forget Wexford's Tyke Furlong didn't make the call. It's also a confidence boost for them that they can put on such a performance when one of their strongest team members is not with them. Jolene, it's, this Six Nations could not have gone as well as it has so far. It, it's been perfect. In so, in, not necessarily for the on-field performances, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that you are playing games with second string, perceived second string players, right? And they're making a huge impact. With the World Cup on the horizon, and we can't avoid talking about it anymore, it has to be done. You have your second string guys who are coming in and performing. They're getting game time, which is huge in crunch games. It's not the friendlies before the World Cup. It's the Six Nations. It's a tournament, a massive title on the line here. And your second string guys are getting game time and winning games. Could not be better right now. Italy next week should be a handy one. Couldn't be happier. We're just getting to the halfway mark. Thank you so much, Nigel, for joining us. We'll be keeping a close eye on the Six Nations and hopefully they'll be as as much crack as it was to watch today. Indeed. Nigel, thank you. Thanks, Jolene. Tracking sport across the southeast. We're delighted now to hear from former Wexford Camogie player and Electric Ireland Ashburn Cup winner with UCD Mags Darcy as she looks ahead to the Electric Ireland Camogie third level championship finals this weekend. Mags began to look back at her memories of the Ashburn Cup. You know the great thing about Ashburn it's the first weekend that actually kickstarts the entire Camogie calendar uh, for the year so 
it's um, a novelty in itself because it's over a weekend, which doesn't uh, necessarily take place in, in the men's game anymore. So it's nice that the, the spectators and supporters have a full weekend of Camogie to look forward to. But it's also nice to catch up with friends and um, of old and reminisce the stories of old. Um, without a doubt, it broke through when I was 17, 18. When I entered into college and used to in my first year, we won at the Ashburn in the first year and the second year. And we went to contest my third year in my undergrad against WIT up in Belfast and they defeated us that or sorry it, it was against WIT not in Belfast that year but it was against WIT they defeated us and went on for the five in a row then um historic five in a row that they captured uh, from 09 onwards but for me going into an environment and being able to play with players who that you've only heard about through the grapevines and played against and to play with them. It was a real gear change. And I think the fact as well as the competition is played in the most um, uh, difficult of, of environments and the most difficult of weather conditions, it does indeed elude your game to be better. I mean, you have to be better very quickly or you're going to be caught out. So I think it was a gear change for me in, in terms of stepping up to the plate. And it was definitely enabled me to have the springboard to go back to my club in my county and be a better player without a doubt. Continuing to look back at memories, Mags outlines what it was like to come up against people from Wexford in that final as there would have been a lot of Wexford players in WIT at the time. Well I suppose the beauty of the competition is that it's ran over November, December, January. Um, You go back pre-season back then when I was playing in kind of New Year, first week of January um so we were released to an extent to our uh, colleges to play which I think is super and it's to this day that tradition has, has has stayed um to allow colleges to have their full cohort of players in um the run-up to pre-season for the league campaign with inter-counties so you're just dis- you're actually d- detaching a little bit from the county scene at that time so you're completely completely immersed with these new group of girls that you've come across um in first year anyway that was that was my experience and you just realized that okay you have to be at a level here to compete but also to stand out and to be positive uh be a positive player for the team so all of a sudden you come from playing against club players and being playing against you know players in training and in an inter-county setup to coming up against the best of the best, not only playing with them, but playing against them. It's a massive step up. And if you if you don't step up straight away to that standard, you, you'll get left behind. So naturally enough, then your game improves dramatically over a period of months. Mags Darcy describes what that step up in performance entails. The game in the past when I was playing was more territory based. So you're aiming for territory up the field in order to get into a scoring position to win possibly that 50-50 ball to then ultimately, you know, take your score. Now the game has changed where it's all about retaining possession, be it coming from the goalkeeper out of the back, running through the lines, um, creating space up front. So you have a more percentage opportunity for your forwards to get on the ball and ultimately score or be supported by the runner coming through the channels. So I found over the last couple of weeks when I've watched a couple of the games that in the type of weather that is now and the conditions on the field, um, I'm DCU and TUD, they were playing on a frozen field there only a couple of weeks ago. So to be able to play the game at the pace 
and you ask about what's the difference and what's the characteristics of the game now, it's the pace in which it's played at and the physicality that it is which it's played at. And in fairness to the refereeing, like they're letting play go to the extent that if it's not a pure advantage, they will call it back for free. And I think that's really positive for the game as it now stands. And you, I go one further to say you're actually playing with the step up is with your peers because you're playing with a higher standard of player. You're playing with the best in the country on a team. So you're playing at an, in an all-star team effectively. That's all I can illuminate it to. Like I, I, I was trying to get the ball to Rena Buckley. And if it didn't get into her hand, I was in trouble. There was no second chances. It's sink or swim. And, and I loved that because it, it, with that came pressure. And I think with pressure, um, it kind of makes diamonds. Mags Darcy gave this advice for players going into this year's Ashburn Cup later this month. Use your strength, use your youth and uh, just go all in because often I know management teams and players alike would try to hold back in their semi-final stage. But like you're not guaranteed anything and especially at this time of the year with the conditions, there could be a swirling wind or could be a shower that comes in and normally talk about purple patches. But if you don't concentrate on the game that's ahead of you, you're, you're, uh, you've, you've already lost. Um, so it's important just to concentrate on the task in hand and each ball in hand and try and enjoy it then because, you know, as a player, if you're t- breaking the line or, or taking on the ball in certain areas of opportunity in the field, you're going to enjoy your camogie more um, and try not feel restricted because when you go back to your county no more, you'll have to play in a certain way or a certain system. And I think what the college game offers as well is offers girls to play out of position and allows them to enjoy their camogie more because of that. Mags Darcy there, former Wexford camogie player and Electric Ireland Ashburn Cup winner with UCD as she looks ahead to this year's third level camogie championship finals weekend. Hashtag first class rivals campaign. Sports Beat Extra. Beat 102-103. Now moving on swiftly to news that broke this week. On Thursday, Kilmacud Croaks finally uh, were formally awarded the All-Ireland Senior Club football title. It follows a saga resulting in appeals process because Croaks had 16 players during end-of-match play when they played Glen of Donegal. There was meetings with the CCC, objections and appeal process. Gavin, you're a GA reporter and a referee. How did something like this happen? How did 16 players end up on the pitch and no one notice yeah I suppose that's the, the burning question really Jolene isn't it um I think um yeah it's pretty it's been a pretty mental two weeks from um from both clubs involved I think GA um HQ and indeed the the match officials um I suppose the bottom line is and you know as you mentioned there obviously I do a bit of refereeing myself and you know the officials there's four officials on the field in terms of the referees two linesmen uh, four to officials on the sideline and obviously the four umpires there as well so I suppose you know letter the law is and I think from from here on in you know officials would be very careful now if there's a substitute being made you know no guy is coming on until the guy that's coming off is you know literally off the field and you know passes bypasses that fourth official there so I suppose you know it was it was in the dying embers of the game 
game, there's, you know, a lot at stake. Glenn were two points behind and there was Kilmacud were, were probably making substitutions to try and wind down the clock. Obviously, you know, there was a guy came on, the guy didn't go off then, so hence they had 16 players on the field and I suppose that last play as well, uh, the player who should have been off was the player who gathered the ball on the goal line as well, so which really kind of, I suppose, maybe added added further to it. So, yeah, look, a little bit messy. Um, look, I suppose there's a lot of finger pointing going on, but look, I suppose at the end of the day, the officials, I suppose maybe, you know what I mean, they've probably looked at it and held their hand up to say, look, yeah, there was a mistake made. They're mic'd up as well. Um, so there's probably no reason why the fourth official couldn't have maybe had a word in the referee's ear. Derek Amani, if Tipperary refereed the game and did, and did very well in fairness to him on the day. Um, but there was a lot going on in that last saga. So, um, yeah, you know, so look, I suppose you could weigh it up several different ways. But look, it's, it's just a pity it, it, it happened. It but look, it has happened now. And thankfully... Thankfully, it's it's over now, you know. And like you say, it's a pity. It kind of took away from, I suppose, the the magic of them winning as well. It kind of shed a light on something that should have mm. been a spectacular moment for them in their career. Going forward then, how do you think this will impact the game, not just for the teams at hand and the club level, but as an overall? Do you think that there's going to be some sort of, not just a, a an investigation, I suppose, into this not happening again? What do you think the next steps are for to, to avoid something like this? Yeah, well, I think every substitute now that's made, particularly late in the game, is going to be watched uh, very interestingly at club and indeed county level. Um, you know, in fairness, Croke Park too. I think quite. You know what I mean? They, they, they obviously ordered the replay, and then there was counter appeals and objections. So look, it was a little bit messy there for two weeks. But I think thankfully now, you know, we have we have resolved that, and Kilmacud can enjoy it. You know, especially after the heart heartache of losing to to a last minute goal the previous year against uh, Kilku of Downs. So I think collectively, um, there is a call there as well, Jolene, for probably you know more help for maybe the officials as well. I know we spoke I suppose it's been an ongoing, you know, uh, discussion with in terms of referees and, you know, the level of maybe abuse and things being thrown at them as well in recent years. So, you know, to be fair, resources there on the sideline in terms of the officials as well maybe could be looked at as well. You know, do we have a, an extra guy looking after maybe substitutions, mm-hmm. uh, timekeeping? But I think in fairness, that is the fourth official's job as well. So, you know, there's not a whole pile going on there in terms of managing subs and you're putting up the board for added time. So it probably was an, an oversight or an error there. They are mic'd up to the referees. So, you know, to have that constant communication, you know, between your officials and your umpires, I think that's very important. It's it obviously is happening, but maybe could we do a, a bit more? Could we maybe you know put more resources into it and, and and things like that, or maybe just have an extra body on the sideline, maybe patrolling these matters, or you know maybe a a, a video situation or something, maybe like the soccer to VR where you could go over and have a quick look at it or something like that. So look, there's probably a few areas mm-hmm. that we could improve, but I think maybe as a collective, maybe you know I suppose just giving the officials maybe that extra bit of I suppose resources in that and you know to, to ensure it doesn't happen again because look you know it's, it's not fair and everyone obviously those officials too would be still looking at this and you know it's it's tough on them too and I suppose reading all this as well having I suppose you know an All-Ireland final is a big day for, exactly. uh, as a player but for the officials as well it's a big day out as well but um, look and hopefully it's something that um, you know that doesn't happen again Do you think Gavin looking at it from an objective point of view as a referee was the right decision made in the end? <laughs> Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it was, to be fair. Um, you know, in fairness to both parties as well, and both clubs, it wasn't easy to be to be involved in it. Um, we had Glenn, and in fairness, they were right. Uh, you know, they had the right to appeal in terms of 16 players on the field. We've seen that over the years that, you know, I mean, it happened a couple of years ago in an All-Ireland qualifier. I think Armagh were involved in it, and they made an extra substitution, an extra time, and the game was ordered to be replayed. So, you know, they had absolutely every entitled, entitlement to appeal that. Um, Kilmacud weren't really shaken. I suppose they, they had kind of held their hands up to say, you know, they had no interest 
first in a replay. Then we had the GA ordering that replay, and uh, subsequently, subsequently, then Glenn pulled out of the process, and uh, and Kilmacud withdrew their appeal, and the GA obviously awarded, formally awarded it to to Kilmacud. So um, I think to be fair, you know, it was probably noted in the GA's um, statement released on Thursday that you know it wasn't really anyone's fault; it was an error of judgment by the by the officials probably on the day. There's a lot going on in the last minute of a game, you know, between I suppose you know people trying to defend and get the ball in, and people coming on and off the field so I think overall look it was an error a judgment error but I think to be fair I think the right decision was made um, a lot of these guys are back with their counties now as well so you know it was that thing of where do you mm-hmm. fit in a replay as well so look I, I think overall I think it's people are just glad the saga is yes. over now hopefully it's something we don't see again but you know we have to learn from it too I think we have to learn from it but overall I would have to agree that the, the correct decision was made yeah Great stuff, Gavin. Thanks so much. So Kilmico Croaks have finally and formally been awarded the All-Ireland Senior Club football title. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. I'm joined now by Aidan Fogarty, former Kilkenny GA All-Star hurler and Dancing with the Stars legend, as we're sure a lot of our listeners know. Aidan, you're very welcome to Sportsbeat Extra. Tell us about the fundraiser that's coming up in Kilkenny, something very particular in the GA field. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, uh, Jolene. Um, basically, I'm involved in a fundraiser for Uganda GA, um, which, is, which is a bit random, um, obviously, but uh, New Park Hotel Kilkenny have launched a charity appeal and a fundraiser event for uh, Uganda GA. Um, and basically what's involved is Kids in the school over there were on TikTok and YouTube and they saw hurling and they saw football and they they, they loved it and they, they were trying to play it. But they had no gear, essentially. They, they were kind of making splitters out of uh, pieces of wool and pieces of straw and all this kind of thing. So basically they looked at, they looked for kind of uh, gear that was left in the household maybe that wasn't being used and hurls and helmets maybe that were, were gone past it and for anybody to send them over. So sure enough, uh, people sent over a, a bit of gear and they got up and running. So the New Park Hotel then uh, jumped on this and launched this initiative to raise 20000 for to build a GEA pitch, a full-size GEA pitch, and to give them meals after training and to give them gear and to give them was a stepping stone into the into the GEA culture. So they got in contact with me and asked me would I be interested in going over and uh, be involved in, the, in training them and maybe getting them the first Uganda GEA blitz together and the championship. So that's my involvement. I'm going over in March and we're hoping to have 20,000 raids by then and it'll uh, it'll lead to uh, massive things for them. It's an exceptional idea, Aidan, and especially the fact that it's so far away, it's probably a very unusual and random location for GEA to be popular in. Did you see the video when it went viral online first? Yeah, it sent me a new pack set. All right, yeah, and, and and that's the thing. Um, and like any Irish, Ireland and, and and Irish people are all over the world and all all over the place. So once they kind of started to play the game, there was one or two Irish over there, of course. So they have been doing a little bit. You know, they they have been doing drills. They can ride the ball. They can hit the ball. But but it's so far away, and I suppose it's so out of the GEA centre and culture. You know, you always think of the GEA, you always think of Ireland, but then you kind of think further afield. You think Australia think of maybe uh, Dubai because Irish people go out there to work but I suppose in Uganda mm-hmm. that's not the case because it's a poor country there's not much work out there there's not much money out there so that's why this is really really different and I suppose that's why the charity and the fundraiser is so important for these guys because they have nothing and we are trying to give them something we're trying to give them a platform to start out in playing GEA and here's is 
we just don't want to go out and drop a bit of gear, drop a few hurls and shake hands and say good luck to a training session. We want to kind of set the culture of the GEA, um, give them a sense of the community spirit, give the kids a focus and give them kind of an outlet and an enjoyment in their lives so they can, they can learn the game, but more importantly, they can come together in a group at the even time, get meals after training, because even a small thing like feeding them and giving them meals and stuff, it's massive for them and to bring them together. And that's what we want to kind of build. And we, we want to see maybe in 20 years' time or 30 years' time, Maybe they could be in a Nicky Rackard first rounder. <laughs> you wouldn't know how, well, what kind of legs this would come from. They could come over for a friendly match. It's an incredible initiative to get involved in. Before we get to the fundraising side, when you head over in March, do you have your plan laid out? Do you know what you're looking at, looking into when you get out there? Yeah, there's kind of a itinerary. We're dealing with a man there, John Walsh, a Galway man that's living over there. He's been superb. He's organised uh, the whole 10 days for us and everything, so... Basically, when I land on the 10th, uh, we get accommodation. But on the 11th then, that's when the Uganda GDA Championship is. And it's kind of like a blitz. So it's a seven-a-side tournament uh, with a load of diff- different teams and things. So we're, we're running that on, on the first day. And then we're going to have a training session on the second day and just go through all kind of drills and, you know, what, what the hurling is actually all about and football and things. And then we're going to a couple of schools just to promote um, kind of the game, uh, tell them all about the initiatives. And then we have a few days for ourselves. And then on Paddy's Day, um, their ambassador people over there, they're kind of having a St. Patrick's Day kind of a festival kind of thing. So we're invited to that as well. So really looking forward to it. It's a jam-packed 10 days, to be fair. That's great, Aidan. It sounds like it's going to be good crack. So in association with New Park Hotel Kilkenny to compile a fundraiser, if you have GA skills um, to show them online to raise money, what can people do to get involved? I see there's a hashtag here as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Look, the big thing here is to raise as much money as we can. So, part of our initiative and part of our launch, we launched last Monday, was um, the K2K DEA Challenge. And basically, what that involves is uploading a video of yourself doing a football skill or a hurling skill. It could be anything from raising the ball to hitting the ball off a crossbar. You know, there's a thousand things you can do. Upload a 20, 30 second video uh, to your social media and nominate two or three of your friends to do the same with the hashtag K2KGEA Challenge. And then all them videos are going to the New Park Hotel Kenny where they'll be downloaded and they'll pick out the best uh, couple of videos. And there's a load of prizes. There's two nights B&B stay in the hotel. You know, there's um, training sessions, there's uh, signed Kenny jerseys, a lot of prizes uh, on show. So that's the big thing. And obviously then to donate, uh, put the link up on your social media or else go to www.idonate.ie and search for New Park Kilkenny Uganda GA fundraiser, and you can um, donate uh, there on the I Donate page. And, and that's the main thing. And if you have anything at all, two euro, twenty euro, fifty, whatever the case may be, everything helps. Aidan Fogarty, thank you so much for joining us. So the New Park have uh, succeeded in in fundraising almost to the halfway point, just around ten thousand euros. So people can get involved, and the hope is to reach twenty thousand. And people can get involved online by tagging at New Park Hotel with their GA skills with the hashtag K2KGA Challenge or donate at idonate.ie. Aidan Fogarty, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much. And that's it for this week's show. More at the same time next Saturday. And Megan is up next with Beat Anthems. 